All right, so uh, as we get started, we're, we're kicking off a brand new series today called Dysfunctional Family. I let the cat out of the bag. There, there is no such thing as a fully functional family. Are you aware of that? Have, has any, any of you ever been in a family? Okay, so you're aware that every family is a dysfunctional family. Uh, the Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God, and therefore you have started off on the wrong foot. Okay, and so uh, we, we all have these issues. For example, uh, public service announcement. Guys, Valentine's Day is coming. Uh, just you need to go ahead and get on Siri, ask her to put it in your calendar or get on Google Assistant or whatever it is that you do. Get her to put it in there. Uh, don't drop the ball on that one. You're welcome. All right. But we're bringing you a relationship series because there is a direct correlation between your relationships and your spiritual life. Let me say that again. There's a direct correlation between your relationships and your spiritual life. You, you, you can't break the two apart. In fact, the Pharisees, who are famous in the Bible for being the bad guys, come to Jesus and they, they want to stump him. They want him to fail at what he came to do. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 4 that he came to set people free. And so as they were uh, interacting with him and wanting him to fail and wanting to catch him in a lie or stumbling over his words. They, they, came, they came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? Thinking that there's no way that he could separate since God gave us all the commandments and that they're all good and all holy. That they'll finally trump him and they'll finally get him on this. And I want to show you what he said. About our relationships. When asked what's the greatest commandment. What's the most important thing. That God's given us. Look at what he says in Mark chapter 12. Verse 30 and 31. It says and you shall love. The Lord your God. With all your heart. With all your soul. And with all your mind. And with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Why? Because relationships affect everything. Your relationship with God affects your relationship with people. Your relationship with people affects your relationship with God. Let me say it this way. You can't love God without loving people. And you can't love people without loving God. So what Jesus is saying in this moment is everything is born out of your relationships. Think about it. Your life is a series of relationships. If you're married, it's a relationship. If you have a job, you have a work relationship with coworkers and a boss. If you are the boss, you have a relationship with those who work for you. If you have friends, it's a relationship. If you have neighbors, it's a relationship. If you have kids, it's a relationship. If you have a parent, it's a relationship. Are you tracking me? Our life is a series of relationships. And it's particularly important as we consider this idea of love today, as we consider this idea of marriage, if we consider this relationship, because I think it's funny that when you listen to that, 
uh, our culture talks about this idea of falling in love. And I, I just want to point out, like, love is not a ditch. You do not fall into love. You, you might get tripped up by infatuation. You might get tripped up by attraction. I mean, what guy in here has not been walking along? You saw your future, your future misses and you're like, I fell in love with you, baby. Like, you're like, no, you just can't walk because you're clumsy, right? Like, we don't fall into love. Love is not a ditch. We don't fall into love. Love is a choice. Look at what 1 Corinthians 13 says. Speaking of love, this is the biblical ideal of what love is. Look, look at what it says. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And just to put some extra weight on it, the, the author here, Paul, the apostle says this. As for prophecies, like these great gifts that we desire, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, even just knowledge itself, that's going to pass away. Because once we're in the presence of God, love will take care of it. Being with God will handle what we fall short in. And so the, this biblical ideal of love. What, what do I say all that to say? What I'm really trying to say to you, and it's the first blank in your notes there, is this, that a love that lasts is a love that is built. It's not found or fallen into. A love that lasts is a love that is built. Love's a choice. Love's a choice. And you, you may read those things and think to yourself, like, yeah, but that's impossible. Like, have you ever lived with a human pastor? <laughs> Like, that's impossible to do those things. And I would agree with you. And that's why I started the way I did and said that every relationship is dysfunctional to a point. Because we're dysfunctional. But, if you'll stick with me to the end, I believe that I can give you some keys to unlocking the ability to actually live that way. That instead of it being an ideal, it will become real. And as, as, we, as we think about that, the, the, the first thing I want to lay out is five principles that you can build on, okay? So if you are uh, getting married, have been married, hope to be married, maybe will get married ever in your life, or you have a friend, <laughs> this is applicable. This is applicable. And so while I apply some of it to the marriage context, uh, I want you to know that in every relationship, these five things really matter because our relationships matter and they affect everything. The first one is this, make a covenant commitment, make a covenant commitment. The option for those of you who are about to get married, are going to be married, hope to be married or are married or even used to be married and would like to be married again, whatever category you fall into, I want you to know that this was God's design and God's plan for marriage, a covenant commitment. So wherever you are on that track, if, if you are looking at marriage ever again, let me start with you here that the option of divorce has to be thrown out of your mind. 
It can't be an option. Because as soon as that's an option, it's an option. Right? As soon as that's on the table, there, there's an out for me to not work on it. But let me tell you this. Every good relationship is born out of commitment. Whether it's a friend or whether it's a spouse, it's covenantal commitment. And I'm going to unpack this one in a little bit with some more. But it's the same reason I told you about city groups, that, that you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Because you need to be cared for. You need community and you need accountability. And your spouse is going to personify that times ten. A commitment. Every good relationship is one that you've made a commitment to. And there's a difference between covenantal commitment and some other things that I'm going to unpack in just a minute. But uh, number two, uh, this is important if you're married or if you're going to be married or if you have friends. Celebrate your differences. By God's design, men and women are very different. Did you know that? Some of you, I'm, I'm just I'm setting people free today. Like some of you are like, we are? All right. Listen, we live in a culture that isn't too sure about that. Okay. But by God's design, men and women are very different. And, and I want to say to you this. Compatibility is a myth. Complementary is the key. Are you following that? Compatibility. Like, who are you compatible with? I, I'm incredibly selfish. And so are you like compatibility, like, oh, you're so, you're selfish in those areas and I'm selfish in these areas. So we can both be selfish. And it's gonna be a great marriage. Like, that's not how that works. Compatibility, like, you know, like we watch these eHarmony commercials and you're like, well, that like that. Wow. Like, I don't get it. All right. Be well, it's probably because I've been married for ten and a half years. I'm like compatibility. <laughs> right. Like, like poor Camden, if that was what it was chalked up to she'd be in trouble all right but it's not about compatibility it's about being complementary because god didn't make a mistake when he designed us differently right he looked at adam and he said after creating all these good things and saying in humanity was very good he looks at adam and what did he say he said man it is not good for you to be alone why because it's not like it's just not like we need help. Right. Celebrate your differences. One of the, one thing that's that's funny is we're going to be rolling out this thing. I've told you about it called growth track and it's going to be a discipleship pipeline for you. It's going to be really great. And we've been working really hard at it, making videos for you to go through. And there's a book that you'll have with it. And it's going to be great. And we'll launch that in in uh, a few weeks from now, hopefully. And, uh, but one of the things in there, so Kim and I have gone through it as we've like tweaked it and edited it and written content for it. So Kim and I have gone through it is uh, two parts of that are you, we take you through a disc assessment, which is just a personality assessment, and then your spiritual gifts. And, and we take the two and we look at them and say, okay, this is how God wired you and created you. And this is where you're you're blessed and gifted and God will use that in the church. And then we give you a bunch of ways that you can use that in the church. But what you do is you go through this personality assessment and it basically reads your mail. Like it tells you like, this is what you're good at. This is what you're terrible at. And so like I was going through this and like, 
by the time I got to the end of it and I, I look at the results, I'm like, that was just, I just started laughing. I'm like, this is funny. Like, this is me. Like, to the T. But then I started reading the other ones and I was like, oh, that's Camden. And I, I, I couldn't even breathe. I was laughing so hard because God couldn't have put together two people who were more different than Camden and I. And yet, here's the reality. The, the world will look at that and say, man, you guys aren't compatible. You should just, you should, you should choose something else. But, but what, what is so important about that? What's so important about that? When you look at it from God's perspective, when you look at it from God's perspective, what's really good about that? I don't need more of me. If I married somebody like me, I'd get more of me. I've got plenty of me, I promise you. Like, we don't need any more of me. I need her. I need what she's good at. When we look at our differences, they're actually incredibly complementary. And what we're working through is not our differences, it's our selfishness. Does that make sense? That, that we actually need what the other person is good at. And we need to bring them together. And let God work through that. Because God didn't make a mistake in the way that he created us. It's not about compatibility. Compatibility can actually be a problem. It's more about complementary. How, how can the strengths that God's given Camden and I actually serve the kingdom of God? And move it forward. It's very important. We don't need more of ourselves. We need more of each other. And that's a beautiful thing. Number three, and all the women are going to give me a good amen on this. Number three, work on communication. You're welcome, ladies. Just trying to help you out. All right. Uh, Listen to this. By design, women, statistically, all right, this ain't me. I just, this is just the stats. All right. Women. Use about 30,000 words a day. Statistically. I'm not saying you do. Just statistically. Men, statistically, use about 15,000 words a day. It's not everybody. That's just some of us. Statistically speaking, that's true. Now, here, here's where I'll just pick on me and Camden. So, Camden saves most of her 30,000 for when I get home. I take most of my 15,000 and I use them while I'm out. And so when we come home, there's a problem. She wants to chat and I want to veg, right? And I get an amen in the church today. You're like, you're talking about my relationships, bro. But communication is hard work. But it's necessary work. Right? Like, let me just give you a couple of things. Like, communicate on your finances. You, you want to stop some fights? Spend your money on paper before you spend it in real life. A simple budget will save you a lot of marital headache. Right? Having a budget that you agree on will save a lot. That, that seems so, so simple, but it's so big. Most fights, if you were to look it up, most 
most of the problems in marriage that we see, finances is somewhere in that. It's important. It's important. uh, Another one, communicate on your schedule. We have these newfangled things in the world called a cell phone, and they've got a calendar on it, and you can share it. And you can see, you know, like when your spouse knows you're not coming home at a certain amount of time, it makes things a little easier, doesn't it? Schedule. Communicate. Communicate. When you come home, talk about your day. Guys, you want to know what the... This is for you today. All right? If you don't get anything else out of the sermon, you take this home and you use it. All right? Guys, you, you want to know what the foremost romantic words you can ever say are? Nope. You ready? Write this down. And then what happened? And then you get ready. And then you get ready because you're going to have about 30 minutes. You got you to gotta, you gotta just take that and run with it. I've been waiting to say that all week. I love it. Such a good... But why? Because she wants to know that you care. Right? Care, community, accountability. Come home and talk. And that leads me to number four. Feed the romance. Feed the romance. Romance is a fire and every fire burns out. So if the fire is going to burn out, What do you have to put back on the fire to keep it from burning out? Logs, right? Romance will burn out if you don't get more logs on the fire. All right, now this is for the married folk, but if the last time your wife said to you, turn the lights off and lock the door was when your parents pulled in the driveway, (laughs) that's a problem. Are you tracking with me, married folk? Some of you are going to get that later. All right. But if we can't talk about it in church, where can we talk about it? We live in a culture that says, do whatever you want. And that's not true. That's not true. God has created this covenant commitment because your intimacy is one of the safest places that you have as a human being. It's one of the most sacred places that you have as a human being. That's why when God created the first two and it was in a perfect environment, he specifically said to us they were naked and not ashamed. What is that saying? That to be naked now is to be shamed. But he created this important environment in which you can be romantic. And let me just say this. If you allow your feelings to dictate that, you will fail at this. Because inevitably, one of you will have those feelings in the afternoon and the other one will have them at night and nothing will ever happen. (laughs) Feelings can't dictate. Because love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is a choice to serve the other person. And so as, as you think about your relationships, it's very important. That you put the right things in order that your relationship can thrive. And that brings us to number five. And it's the most expected, but it's the most important. And that's to put Jesus at the center. Let's put Jesus at the center. 
You don't want to leave God out of the process that he created. You don't want to leave God out of the process that he created. Look at Psalm 127.1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. You can put all of the principles that I'm telling you into practice. You can read lots of books. You can go get counseling. You can go do. But if you don't put God at the center, you build it in vain. God is the part. The Holy Spirit is the person that will keep your marriage together. That will keep your relationships together. Another pastor said it this way, and I think it speaks to it. It says, in order for relationships to work, let the one who designed them define them. In order for relationships to work, let the one who designed them define them. That's a word for our culture today as well. That God has set up a process and he's created humanity and we're created in his image. And in his likeness. And he gets to define how they work. The creator writes the manual. It's the only thing that makes sense. Now, all of that being said, I want to come back to this idea of covenant relationships. So in, in the Old Testament, we get, we get a picture of this laid out very clearly in Malachi chapter 2. Uh, God is not happy. He's not satisfied with how the, his people are using their relationships. Look, look at what it says in Malachi chapter 2, starting in verse 13. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Notice, these are people in church. Okay, These aren't people running wild in the world. These are church people. These are people at the altar of God. Worshipping him with their tears. And he's not accepting them. Why? Verse 14. But you say, why does he not give us favor? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth. To whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by what? Covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? Holy Spirit, don't leave God out of what he designed. He's a part of it. And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. Listen to this. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel covers her, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. So if, if you've experienced divorce, like what I'm not saying is that God can't use you or that there's not grace for you. There's more grace for us in our issues than there is our issues that need grace. Does that make sense? God has more grace than you can sin. You can't outpunt God's coverage. Let me say it to you that way on Super Bowl Sunday. Hallelujah. Right? You can't outsin God's grace. So if, if there's a broken piece of your past, welcome, because broken people are all that there are. And God loves broken people because broken people are all that there are. So wherever you find yourself, the, these are things that as we 
look to the future of our relationships that, that, that we want to put in place because God has created this. And, and notice that it, this idea of covenant is also connected to his church because what is the church called? The bride of Christ. Look at Luke twenty two twenty. It says, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten, so communion setting. Here's what Jesus said. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. It's a commitment. It's a covenant. This is where uh, the, the saying blood is thicker than water comes from. Because Jesus is saying a blood that, that, that I shed my blood for you and that, that covenant is heavy. It's weighty. It matters. But this is also how your kids can become more important than your marriage. Because your marriage, God brought you a gift from outside. For you, your kids, they come from you. And so it's actually easy to give all of your life to your kids and stop working on your marriage. Because your kids are from you and so their annoyances may annoy you, but you like you got grace for that because it's your fault. Right. (laughs) But your spouse, you're like, man, that was your parents fault. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? But let me give you some ideas on this idea of covenant. Covenant is based on mutual commitment. Covenant is based on mutual commitment. Even if I don't feel like it, right? It's our marriage vows. For richer or for poorer. You know, we're okay with that richer part. But what happens if it's for poorer? Then what? What happens if we struggle to pay our bills? Well, that's that's different. That's not for richer. And that's also not just a poem that we agreed to on our wedding day under an arbor with lots of lace and everybody was dressed up and then there was cake and then there was like some other stuff maybe and it was really fun. But that's not your marriage. It's your wedding day. And you should do all that, by the way, because it's great. But that's not going to give you a great marriage. Covenant is based on mutual commitment. It's covenanting that you, me, and God, we're going to do this for richer or for poorer. In sickness and in health. Well, what if it's not health? What if it's sickness? I had a beautiful picture of this growing up. My mom, when I was three years old, was put in a wheelchair. She had a tumor grow through her spinal cord. And it changed everything about our life. We had to sell our house and get a different one that didn't have stairs. We had to get different cars that were way more expensive. And just changed everything about our life. And I watched my father love my mom. Just through it, like, it just, like, was never even a thing. Like, he just rolled right into it. For the next three years, my parents' bed, king bed, was in our living room. And it's just, like, that's just what they had to do, right? And, and so I got a great picture of that. And they, they, they planted a church when I was in college, and my mom's in a wheelchair, and she's a great ministry, talking about the joy of the Lord in circumstances. Now, what am I saying to you? You don't know what's coming your way. But you do know that you made a commitment to love one another. Contract by contrast is based on mutual distrust. Right? Don't even think about getting a prenuptial. It's just wrong off the get-go. Because a contract 
What a contract does is it watches out for you. It gives you an out if the other person doesn't meet the standard. When God says, no, if the other person's not meeting the standard, you do it and win them by your conduct. That's what Peter tells us. And so covenant and contract, totally different. Covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibility. Contract protects rights and avoids responsibility. I'm only going to do this if you do that. And if you don't do that, I'm definitely not doing this. A covenant just says, I'm yours. I believe all things. I bear all things. I endure all things. Because I love you. I'm yours. Covenant has the interest of the other in mind. Contract has personal convenience in mind. Listen to this. The greatest relationships are when two servants are in love. The worst relationships are when two masters are in love. You see the difference? When two servants are in love, man, that thrives. When two masters are in love, that doesn't work. Doesn't work. Because you're expecting to be served, not to serve. You've heard a lot from me. And so, you know, we like that. That's, that's good, but is it doable? Is it doable? I love it, I believe it, but is it doable? I want to give you two keys. And what I really want to call you to in these two keys is to renew the, co- the commitment, the covenant to your marriage. Renew the commitment, the covenant to your relationships. Renew the commitment, the covenant to your church in all of your relationships because relationships matter. And the first one is this, that love is not a feeling, it's a choice. I've been saying it, but I want you to write it down. Love is not a feeling, it's a choice. I think just this key alone can set somebody free today, because here's what that means. Love doesn't give what is deserved. Love gives what is needed. You see the difference? They don't deserve my love. We didn't deserve God's love. But God knew it was needed. And so God gave. Right? Look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 14. And above all these put on love. Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Number two. Our capacity to love comes from receiving love. Does that make sense? 1 John 4, 19 says we love because he first loved us. Our capacity to love only expands by receiving love. And that starts with God. Receiving love. It starts with reading Romans 8. (laughs) And just letting the love of God fill you up so that you can give love. no doubt that all of us have things in our life that we look at and say, yeah, but you know, pastor, like you don't know, you don't know how I've messed up. You don't know how I've messed up. And I would just say, you're right. I don't. But God does. And what the Bible teaches us is that God has never loved you more than he loves you right now. And he'll never love you less. 
because he's God and he went first. He loved us first. And I also want you to know that you've never needed him more than you need him right now. Regardless of where you're at in the spectrum of relationships, you need God. You need God in your life. Look at what Ephesians 3, 17 and 18 says. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. It's talking about God's love. So I just want to encourage you in this moment to renew your commitment to your relationships. To love people and to love God. All of these things matter and will help you. But it starts with a relationship with God. So if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that today. To start that relationship with God. And then out of that, begin to put these things in place in your relationships. 